Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. children who are here, Miss Felicia very much wants to be able to hang out with you during children's choir, and she is back there, so we invite any kids, including mine, who's absorbed in a book right now, go join Miss Felicia, and as you go, we want you to let you know that you are beautiful, God loves you, and we love you too, and we're very grateful that we got a group of high schoolers here who are very sleepy, uh, probably. They had a lock-in last night, which means they didn't really sleep. Uh, so if you hear snoring from the back row, just ignore it. That's fine. We're glad that you guys are here. Well, every year, as we know, our president delivers uh, what we call the, the State of the Union Address. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, which we have been looking at for the last several weeks, this is kind of Jesus's State of the Universe Address. This is Jesus' manifesto for what it means for people like you and me to live as subjects in God's kingdom. And Jesus, in this sermon, is trying to show us that, that there is a way, he has a way, a real way for human beings, for all of us, to fully flourish, to live the lives that God always intended for human beings to live. So just kind of recounting back over these last few weeks, Jonathan talked a few weeks ago about what it means to really be blessed. Not like, you know, the hashtag blessed where you're showing off the ways that you're succeeding in all these, you know, money and success, prestige and power, those ways we often use those words, but blessed in such a way that's just truly, deeply connected to God and and receiving the love God has for you and living out the love that God wants to show through you. That's the true meaning of blessed. We talked last week about how Jesus came to set us free from all that which would oppress and enslave us, kind of paradoxically through submitting ourselves to following the authoritative word of God. And then today we're going to continue that invitation to freedom. It only goes deeper and further as we continue to listen to Jesus' invitation as that he gives starting in Matthew 6, verse 1. We hear Jesus saying, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. Might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. So hi, my name's Becca, and I'm an approval addict. And anybody who's ever been a part of any recovery group knows when an admission like that is made, there's a response that is required. Typically someone says that, and your response to me is, hi, Becca. Thank you, some of you know, so let's try that again. Hi, my name is Becca, and I'm an approval addict. Thank you, I feel welcome now. I'm an approval addict. Which is to say, I, mostly unconsciously, though possibly sometimes consciously, I just live in this kind of bondage to other people's approval, to what people think of me. Constantly trying to please the people around me. I, I, I have this disease to please. And I'm pretty sure some of you have this 
same disease too. There's some fellow approval addicts here in the room with me today, so glad you're here. The reality is this condition, this addiction, it's not a new phenomenon. Men and women all across cultural divides, all across spans of time, we have all suffered from it in some way or another, and so that's why Jesus speaks to it. Jesus knows how addictive other people's approval can be. And so, so looking at Jesus' words today, I want us to think about three specific things. I want us to think about there's this reality. There is a reality that, that human beings need approval. But there's a problem, a problem that arises when we try to meet that need for approval in all kinds of problematic ways. And then there's a solution, the solution that Jesus offers you and me and all of us to this addiction to approval. So first is just the reality. There is a human reality that you and I and every person on the planet has ever lived. The reality is that we have been made by God with two basic needs. We have a need to be accepted and we have a need to be deeply, truly, fully known. That's just the way it is. We were made that way. We were made to want to be noticed. Just go to any playground at any time in any place or come over to my house any day of the week and you're going to hear kids yelling, clamoring for attention. Watch me. Look at this. See, I can do this. Look at me. Look at me. Oh my gosh, come to my house so often. <laughs> That's just kids just do that. We're shameless about it when you're a kid. You want somebody to, to see what you're doing, especially your parent. You want them to notice you. Kids have this desire. They make it known. Adults, we have the same desire. We're just a little bit more covert about it, right? Henrietta Mears is a woman who led the college ministry at Hollywood Presbyterian Church for a number of years, just fabulously uh, successful, if you want to use that word, but just, just really fruitful ministry where she had, over the course of her years serving there, touched probably thousands of college students' lives for Jesus Christ. She's really incredible. And somebody once asked her what kind of the, the secret of her, her success was. And she told them, she said, well, I just imagine that every person I meet has this little invisible sign hanging around their neck that simply says, please make me feel important. We all have that sign, don't we? We all want to be noticed. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be known. It's the way God made us. But there's a problem. See, while we need these things, we need to be accepted, we need to be known, we don't always get what we need, do we? I kind of think of our needs as fitting into a, a kind of two-by-two two matrix, right? And, and the up and down line there you can see on the screen, it, it stands for our need for acceptance. And you can move up or down depending on your circumstance on that line. And then across the way, it's that our need to be known. And again, depending on who you're with and what's going on, that need may, may be being met more or less. Now, the way God intended it is that both of those needs would be fully met all the time. That's way, the way God intended Think about back to the very beginning, the very earliest stories in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, talks about human beings. It's talking about Adam and Eve. And it uses this phrase, they were both naked, which means 
They were fully known, nothing hidden. They were both naked and they were unashamed, which means they were also fully accepted. Fully known, fully accepted. That's the way God created human beings to be. Problem is, sin entered the picture and it messed it all up. So now we're living in this matrix. And in the way life is now, we can experience being accepted, but not known or known and not accepted. All kind of, we can just move along those lines in all kinds of ways. So, for instance, if I'm feeling accepted but I'm not known, well, that puts me kind of in the category of illusion, right? It's an illusion. I'm pretending. I'm not showing you who I actually am. I'm, I, I'm putting out a front, but you're accepting that front, but I am not known. This is the problem that Jesus is speaking to specifically in this part of the sermon. People in his day, they were making a performance out of being good, you know, they were taking these very good actions, actions we'll, we'll talk about in just a minute, but they were giving, they were praying, they were fasting, all good things, but they were doing them in a way to get attention for themselves. See, in Jesus' day, people flaunted how devout they were to get attention. In our day, we're, it's a little bit of less of a religious culture that we live in now, so maybe those aren't the actions we choose. It's not our giving, it's not our praying, it's not our, our fasting that we do to get attention, but we do plenty of things, right? Same idea. We take very, very good things, but we use them kind of in the wrong way, not for the good that they were intended, but to get that attention for ourselves. So for us, it could be our grades. It could be my job. It could be my family. It could be my, my money or my body or, you know, just whatever it is. We take something good and we use it to win other people's approval and to boost my own ego. So we may get accepted, but we're not really known. We're pretending. We're creating an illusion. Now, if nobody knows me and nobody accepts me, well, then I live in isolation. And man, isn't that ever an epidemic these days, right? People are isolated. Around here, we use that lingo, relational poverty. People just aren't known and they're not accepted. They feel isolated from one another. Even with all of the technology we have at our fingertips, you know, social media and, 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 and the internet, you know, that's supposed to be bringing everybody together, but people are living these lives where they are not known, not accepted. They're isolated. But the most painful of them all, if you've ever experienced this, if you've ever experienced junior high, at least like I did, you know the worst is if you are known, but you're not accepted. And that's rejection. Oh gosh, we will do anything and everything to avoid that. Most of us, we just run on back to isolation, right? Because it's way less painful to not be known and not be accepted and just be apart than it is to be rejected. So here's the deal. The reality is we were made to be known. We were made to be accepted. That is God's good plan for human flourishing. But our need for approval it becomes a problem when we try to fulfill it in ways that God never intended. I've got a little bit of a, a long quote here, so try to stick with me. It's from a book called Mere Christianity, written by C.S. Lewis. He writes this. It says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. 
A baby feels hunger, well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there is such a thing as water. Human beings feel sexual desire, well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was not made for this world. I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for those earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. So we do. We do have this desire within ourselves for approval. God gave us that desire. But it cannot, it will not be satisfied by other people. If we seek approval from the people around us, we'll only be chasing after that next hit, that next high, addicted over and over again. And so then just finding ourselves pretending or isolated, rejected, alone. So the question The question for us isn't, will I seek approval? We will. The question we must ask is, from whom will I seek that approval? The reality of being human is that I have an infinite need for approval. And only God, only God has that infinite supply. I just want to check in, though, really quick. Is this message going okay? Like, do you guys like it? Is it? Are you approve it? Just, all right, thank you. I just appreciate that. Our addiction for approval is so pervasive. It's just, it's such a problem. So Jesus wants to offer a solution. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard puts it in terms of Jesus' solution, in terms of living as if God is the only one watching, living as if you have an audience one. And for that audience of one, Jesus invites us to a life of secret surrender. Secret surrender. Jesus invites to a life of secret surrender through three different practices, which he talks about in his sermon, all of which have a common element. Different practices, common element. And the common element is this idea, this practice of surrendering, of giving something of yourself up. So he talks about giving money. He talks about praying, surrendering yourself to God in prayer. And he talks about fasting, surrendering that physical need for food. But doing all three of them in such a way that only God, only that audience of one knows about it. 
And today, for our, the rest of our time together, we're going to talk just about that first practice, that idea of secret giving. And we're going to focus on just that one for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I'll give you a little preview. Coming this winter, we're going to spend, I can't exactly remember, four to six weeks uh, as we continue to follow Jesus together. Our sermon series in the winter is going to be on Jesus' prayers. And so we're going to dig into that, in, into this passage in particular, to learn from Jesus how we pray. So frankly, I just don't want to steal my own thunder. So stay tuned, come back in the winter for some, some teaching on prayer. But second, uh, we're going to talk about giving because this is the time of year when we talk about it. In church lingo, this is stewardship season, right? That's a very Christianese word, but that's how we put it. And I'm just going to say from the outset that I know some of you right now are going, dang it, I might have skipped church today if I'd known that, right? Like it's when I turn on my car and I will confess I'm an NPR listener and I turn on my car radio and it's like the pledge drive time and I'm like, dang it, like, and I change the channel, I do. I find it annoying and boring and I don't like to listen to it. So I, when pledge drive time is over, I go back to get my news. So if that's you today, if you're like, mm, that's not my favorite sermon of the year, uh, but you're too addicted to my approval to stand up and walk out right now, um, I'm glad you're here. I hope this message is still encouraging for you. Because here's the first thing you need to know. The church doesn't need your money. Do you know that? The church does not need your money. And I got some eyebrows at 7.30 from somebody who's been on the finance committee, and I know that kind of stresses them out if I say that, like, "Mm, really? Really? Stewardship is not about us coming to you with open hands saying, please, 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 can you just fund our budget, please? Because the church doesn't need your money because Jesus Christ does not need your money. Listen, any person who died on a cross was buried in a tomb and rose to life again three days later does not need my $20 or my $500 or whatever. That person has the resources of the entire universe at their fingertips. They can do whatever they want. And this church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants. So whatever Jesus wants to do in this church, Jesus is going to do. The church doesn't need your money. But the truth is, Jesus knows you need to, and I need to, and we need to give away our money. We do. We need to give it away because giving away our money does something way, way, way better for us than it does for anybody who receives it. So for the disease to please, this approval addiction which, with, with which we are all afflicted, Jesus offers us this power of secret surrender, of giving some of it up. And here's how, jumping back to Matthew 6. I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version this time. He says, whenever you give alms, give money, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you surrender in secret, when you give away your money, not for the approval of others, but for your audience of one, Jesus says your father, who sees in secret, will 
reward you. Now, some people get a little confused by what that reward means, right? And then we start to think, we read this passage like, okay, if I give some of my money away, but then somebody sees me do it or they know about it, then Jesus is like up in heaven going, oh, dang, well, I was gonna give you a shiny crown in heaven, but now I gotta take it away because somebody saw it, right? Like, is that what it is? No, like, the reward that Jesus is talking about isn't some shiny metal, And it's not something that's far off just when we get to heaven, like a a treasure box is going to be waiting for us. It's all about now. And it's not about this external thing that Jesus gives to us. It's about this internal person that we become. The idea is if we do these things in secret, if we give in secret, we will be freed from the need to please. Bit by bit, day by day, gift by gift, we will be healed of our approval addiction. And the thing that will heal us, the thing that will heal us is the exact thing that Jesus has to offer. For what will fully heal us from our approval addiction is that knowledge that we are indeed fully known. We are fully accepted. In Jesus Christ, we are loved. We are loved. Living here, living from that place of loved, it gives you peace because you know you are fully accepted, fully known, deeply loved by God. It gives you security of not needing approval from other people all the time. It gives you joy to be able to be free to gladly give some of what you have to another person without needing anybody else to approve of it gives you that deep, deep knowledge that your heavenly father thinks you're awesome. So encouragement is just to try it. You know, that's something I love in scripture. Sometimes we feel like there's the commands, you have to do these things. Sometimes just take it as an invitation to try. Just see, test Jesus on this. See if what he's saying is true, that, that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you by transforming you into the kind of person who can live in peace and love and freedom. See if what Jesus said is true. Try practicing secret surrender in your giving in the coming weeks. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Um, Talk about this reality that, that, as far as I can tell, in our day and age, our two most precious commodities are our money and our time, right? Like, that's what we have to spend when it all comes down to it. And so next week, I want to talk about that element of time, how we spend our time and how we can give our time, let God use it. Uh, But for today, I want to talk specifically about our money and about the invitation that God puts before us to give some of it away, to secretly surrender our money without needing or seeking attention or approval from any other human being. Just to what extent you give some of it away. And knowing that this is truly just between you and God, nobody's going to come and like check on it and be like, really? What we're inviting you to is this idea of stepping up in giving. All of us are at a place of a level, a certain level of our giving, and we could just say, what would it mean for me to take a step up? You know, for some people, it's just this idea of giving money to a church is totally brand new. Like, it's not something you've ever, ever, ever done before. And, and so maybe for you, it's, it's the choice to step up to just to give something. 
that's incredible, that step. A person, that, that to me is a, the sign of a life being transformed because most human beings just kind of want to hold on to their money. Like we like our money. It's fun to use it for things we like, right? And so to give some of it away, that shows to me that Jesus is working powerfully in somebody's life. So we celebrate anyone makes that first time choice to give some of their money to the work of God. So that's one step. Another could be, yeah, you've given some occasionally, you know, when you come to church, you pull out of your pocket, what do you got, your wallet, you know, $20, that's, you know, they give, but it's not really in a thoughtful way, a processed way, you know, it's, it's just as you can. And so that next step might be to say, okay, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to say, I'm going to give this much intentionally, whatever it is. It could be a percentage of your income. It could just be, I know I'm going to give $20 every week. That's what I'm going to commit to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to make that choice that I'm committed to it. That's a great step. Another step could be what the Bible refers to as a tithe. The Bible commands that all followers of Jesus Christ give 10% of their income to the church. Again, command, invitation. I will admit I have before. Dave and I are working on it. Like we're working towards the tithe. Now I've told you that maybe I don't get my shiny crown in heaven, but you know, I'll work on that with Jesus. But I just want to be honest with you that that's a step towards, we're working on stepping up toward each year, kind of saying, how can we get ourselves to that 10%? And then a final step, and some of you are at that 10%. Some of you are above that 10%. Still, you have an invitation to say, how can I keep stepping? How can I keep surrendering? How can I keep giving myself and what I have to the work of God, stepping up even from there? We're asking everybody in these next couple weeks to make that financial commitment to the work of God here at Paoli Presbyterian Church, not because we need it, but because I think God knows that we need to give it. Because we want you to see for yourself if what Jesus said is really true. See if you experience a little bit more freedom, a little bit greater strength, a little bit deeper joy, a whole lot more assurance that in Jesus Christ, we really are deeply known, fully accepted. We are loved.